G'day everybody, Matt Ellis here for the latest edition of the Cricket Library Podcast. And today it's all about the Ashes. She's not patchy tonight, she is absolute class personified. That is one magnificent hundred for the Australian captain Meg Lanning in just 51 deliveries. Author Martin Lenahan joins us today to talk about his new book, The Ashes, 140 Years of Rivalry, Rituals and Respect. Big shot, big shot, what's he doing? Impact in line, wickets hitting. Magnificent game of cricket here at Old Trafford. Marvellous scenes. Australia retain the Ashes. It's a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library podcast. Martin Lenahan, so nice to have an author on the Cricket Library podcast, The Ashes, 140 Years of Rivalry, Rituals and Respect. Thanks so much for joining us. G'day, Matt. Good to be with you, mate. Now, The Ashes, uh, every little boy and little girl growing up playing cricket in their front or backyard has that lingering dream inside of, of maybe one day being a part of an Ashes campaign as a player or involved in an, in an Ashes tour. Can, can you tell us a little bit about your passion for cricket and, and what your early memories of loving the game were? Absolutely, mate. Yeah, well, certainly the dream of uh, being part of an Ashes as a player passed me by, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, like most kids, I mean, I went to a school, I went to St. Pius in Chatswood in Sydney where you played rugby in winter and cricket in summer and I was fortunate enough to have some coaches there that were just very passionate, you know, teachers who were who loved the game and, uh, you know, we just had, we had great times playing cricket at school and as I mentioned in the uh, introduction to the book, I was fortunate enough to go to a, a Kerry Packer Australian Women's Weekly Cricket Camp when I was in year six, which... They just ran through the magazine and, and asked for people to put their name down to try out. And we had a week at uh, living in at Cranbrook College in uh, in Sydney. And we had, uh, he Kerry got all these coaches over from English uh, English County guys, I guess, who were playing cricket in Sydney for the summer. And they coached us all day. And then every single night during the week, he would bring in World Series cricket guys to uh, talk to us and show us videos. So here we were, a bunch of 11-year-olds sitting there with Greg Chappell, Ian Chappell, Doug Walters, all these guys coming in at night and uh, talking to us about cricket. So it was one of my, my biggest memories, being a, a kid in year six and getting the chance to do that. Oh, absolutely outstanding and a, a really influential kind of age. I remember my, my earliest Ashes memories are the, of the 1989 Ashes. I think I was in year five at school and just the impact that had on me, that was when i I decided I wanted to play junior club cricket. Um, the whole experience uh, of seeing Australia win an Ashes campaign at that age uh, really, really ticked things over for me. What about you and your early Ashes memories as a fan um, growing up? Uh, were you listening to it on the radio? Were you, were you going to games? Uh, t- tell us about some of your Ashes memories as a fan. Yeah, certainly going to games. Uh, I'm from Sydney, so yeah, going to games at the SCG, you know, great memories of being out there. I think uh, 
before a lot of those grandstands were built. I'm a bit older than you, Matt. So uh, yep. some amazing days out there uh, in front of the old hill, on the hill, just watching uh, guys like you know Lily and Thompson and the chapels were sort of around my early memories of watching guys, Dougie Walters, uh, you know, putting Bob Willis into the, the crowd in Perth to bring up that 100 in a session was one of my early memories watching it on TV. And I, I love you mentioning 1989. I had started my first job at uh, a newspaper called the Golden Post, which is uh, oh, yeah. about an hour from Canberra, just a, a wonderful place to work. So I was in, in my first job there in, in 89 and just remember sitting up and watching, you know, Steve War, Mark Taylor, and Ian Healy's memories of that series. Ian has written the forward for us in the mm. book and shared just amazing memories of that series and how much it meant to those guys. And, you know, everyone, everyone remembers Alan Border, I guess, being, um, you know, the captain that basically said, we're not going to socialise with the English anymore. This, we've been too friendly. We've been too nice. So uh, he just got this bunch of guys, as Healy said, you know, Healy, Steve War, Taylor were the young blokes. And then you had Jeff Marsh and, some of the older Terry Alderman, you know, more experienced blokes who'd, who'd been beaten before by England and probably had enough of it. So Border just had this perfect group of guys that were ready to do whatever he needed to be done. And as you said, just watching that series and see Australia win so comprehensively and see guys like Mark Taylor and Steve War really sort of launch their careers, uh, that was just a, a fantastic series. And as it turned out, of course, it was the catalyst for years and years of uh, Australian dominance, which we all love. Oh, absolutely. And uh, and, and the flow-on effect as well. I, I'd be interested to get your thoughts in why the Ashes mean so much to Australians. I know for me, my nan and pop actually took us to the ticker tape parade in Sydney and seeing the cavalcade of cars coming through and uh, the, the city was rejoicing that we'd won the Ashes. Why Why does the Ashes have that? that lure and appeal? I think just that history. I mean, as we, as you, you mentioned, the front line on the cover of the book there, you know, the 140 years. I mean, that's something that none of the other series that Australia plays in can really offer that that history. And I think the way that it all started with, with Australia beating England and, the you know, the great story about the bales being burnt to create the ashes and how much, uh, how offended England were that they would lose cricket to Australia. So... That history, I think, look, we've got a wonderful uh, rivalry building up with India now and obviously the West Indies in the 80s when we couldn't beat them and then Australia finally knocked them off in 95 in, in the Caribbean. So there's been some amazing rivalries, I guess, have developed over the years, but nothing can really challenge the history of the Ashes. And, you know, just those nights when you knew the game was on in England and, and people did sit up and, you know, those many, many years ago of listening to the radio and... and back in Bradman's year and, you know, the, the, the wonderful uh, Alan McGilvray commentary on the ABC. And I think as Greg, Greg Chappell said to me in the book, just great to share memories with a guy like Greg Chappell and as he was saying about listening to the radio when he was a kid and, of course, he and Ian and Trevor and their grandfather, Victor Richardson. So, you know, a great uh, legacy there for Australian cricket. But as he said, just listening to that and it, it just got the, the juices flowing and it just made you dream, as you said, of... Uh, either wanting to be part of it yourself as he was good enough to, to do and his brother and the rest of us just, uh, you know, dreaming and listening and, and wanting Australia to, to do well and, and, and listening to those heroes uh, perform for Australia. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I'd be interested to know. Uh, we put a little bit of a poll out on Instagram last night on on the Cricket Library social channels and um, getting people's feedback around their favourite moments. I mean, you, you've got the the women's day night test match there at North Sydney Oval where Elise Perry makes a double hundred. You've got people mentioning Ryan Harris's uh, ball to dismiss Alastair Cook, Steve Waugh's ton on the last ball hitting Richard Dawson for four. Um, Mitchell Johnson, his amazing series, uh, Ashton Agar, 98 on debut. I could, I could keep listing more, more and more things here that, that, that people have mentioned. H- how do you get it all into a book? How do you decide what, what to include? Yeah, very tough. I mean, Ashton Agar's a great story. He actually features in our, uh, we did the chapter on great debuts in the ashes and I was lucky enough to have a long chat to Ashton and I must say one of the, the, the most obliging, most interesting guys I've spoken to and just his recollections of that day uh, and batting with Philip Hughes, which, you know, mm. very sadly we lost Phil and Ashton just talked about the time they spent together in the middle, getting on top of the English, how, how relaxed Phil Hughes made him feel, but also he there's a lovely line in there I thought about, he talks about Philip Hughes' eyes and just the intensity and he said he was like a predator out there and the, the way that they dismantled England when it looked like you know Australia if you're nine down for not very many and the, the opposition thinks they've basically got you done and in walked Ashton Agar in his first test and uh, produces something just very very special and for me it was, uh, it was great to share those those moments with Ashton and talk about that but as you said it's just a, an endless uh, array of great memories that people have got. I, I was lucky enough to go to a number of Ashes tests in Adelaide. We made a bit of a, a pilgrimage with a few mates over to the Adelaide test for many, many years. And, uh, you know, the Glenn McGrath catch in the outfield, which oh, uh, yeah. features in beautiful, beautiful photos there from Getty Images in the book of Glenn McGrath's catch. And, you know, the, the Adelaide win in uh, 2006, where we basically went to the ground on the last day, thinking there was pretty much no chance of a result. And, Shane Warne ripped through England and then Mike Hussey hit those winning runs late in the day when Australia chased 160 and, you know, you could just peel off so many great... I haven't even mentioned 2005 in England, which was just that series, I think, that relaunched the Ashes for a yeah. lot of people. And, you know, Brett Lee and, um, and Andy Flint off there. I mean, it was just, just an incredible series. So I just think the beauty of the Ashes is the fact that we've all got so many memories depending on your age and how long you've been watching the game for? You can uh, you can just remember so many things and so many great players, and uh, special to have the women. Yeah, you know, the women's chapter in the book. I was lucky enough to, in my first book, Baggy Green Legends, I spoke to Elise Perry and and uh, and some of the older cricketers who sort of dug the well, I guess, and the way that she spoke about the respect they have for those women who you know weren't getting paid to play cricket for Australia in the in the seventies and eighties and. You know, just some of their performances and the way they did the, the groundwork for where women's cricket at, is at at the moment. So, mate, as far as what you put in the book, it's um, it's always a challenge. But you know, the way these books are presented, um, you know, photographically, just beautiful images, and it's just a pleasure to to be able to talk to the guys that I've watched and admired and and shared some time with over the years, and and you know, present their stories and. The photos are just uh, incredible, but you could certainly, uh, I reckon you could double the size of the book pretty <laughs> good, uh, with all the stuff we left out of it. Yeah, well, you mentioned the photos. That's, I've got the book here in front of me now, and um, just the way it's displayed, to, to give people a bit of an idea, I've just opened, opened to a page here where you've got 
on on one side, a nice colour image of Peter Neville and Mitch Johnson meeting the Prince of Wales, and then complementing that on 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 that was back in two fifteen two thousand fifteen, and then on the adjacent page you've got uh, Richie Benno in nineteen fifty six in a, a, a magnificent black and white photo shaking hands with the Queen, and just that that rich history is portrayed so beautifully through the images from Getty Images here throughout the book and just tells such a such a great powerful story and and the juxtaposition of the the the, the eras uh side by side um yeah just just magnificent you can spend hours just just flicking through yeah look I was lucky enough to spend some time with Ricky Benno when I, I worked at Inside Edge magazine and um Richie and Ian were sort of our two main columnists Terry Packer brought them on board. He realised when he started Inside Edge magazine in the 90s that uh, you needed some guys of that sort of, uh, you know, the reputation they had in the game and just the, the integrity they brought to that magazine. And we had uh, one of my great memories was having a boardroom lunch at uh, Australian Consolidated Press when I worked there and Terry Packer was there and Richie Benno was there. And, you know, they're just the sort of moments you never forget. So, Ian Healy, I think, sums it up beautifully. As I said, in, in the forward of the book, and Ian talks about he was lucky enough to be in the commentary on Channel 9 and that mm. lineage of the commentators where, you know, Bill Laurie and Ian Chappell, uh, Richie Benno, so Richie would talk about Keith Miller was his hero and retelling all those stories and just how it was passed on down the line, the, the respect they all had for each other. But I think Ian summed it up best when he said the, the former players, the older players, just had such, he said, big stories. He, he just said it was there the moments that they met the Royals and the things that they did. He said, even though he went on a lot of tours of England himself, he felt like the, the generation of guys in the 50s and 60s and even the 70s, their, their stories were so much bigger and sounded so much even better than his own story. So uh, <laughs> I think it's, you know, you, you, if you're fortunate, I, I guess, to, to play for Australia, as Ian did over 100 times, and he's a great man, Ian Healy. I was, I was lucky enough to spend some time with him on a, a tour to the 1999 World Cup that we took through Inside Edge and, um, you know, to share so many memories with him. But I think that was beautifully summed up that just the, the lineage and the tradition that each of these guys shares now with the next next generation and it just is carried on. And, and the Ashes stories, I just think, are the, the pinnacle of, uh, of the game in Australia. Oh, absolutely. Uh, a, a wonderful uh, story of how... One, inf- one one generation can influence the next, and the and the power of the stories that the the power that the stories have to influence the next generation, and and lots of boys and girls uh, playing cricket on the back of uh, an Ashes series, and and keeping the game alive that way. I, I'd be really interested to know um, from from doing the book yourself. Is there anything that stands out for you? Uh, if you can't narrow it down to one, have you got have you got uh, a top couple of Ashes memories for you as 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 a individual, mate. Certainly, two thousand five. I mentioned that series, and just that that was just one of the the all time great Ashes series. And I think that uh, the night where where Brett Lee, uh, you know, got us so close to, to winning that match, and when Andrew Flintoff came up to him and put his arm on his shoulder at the end of that game, and I just remember the the whole series itself being such a, an epic contest. Uh, you know, that was an Australian team that. You know, had had the wood on England for a long time, and then they met England, managed to win it back in that series, and you know, 
the ebbs and flows of, of that series is one that really stands out for me. And I think, you know, I mentioned Dougie Walters and just uh, having some chats to Doug um, in, in the writing of this book. And, you know, I think he's the sort of guy that, um, you know, that era with the chapels and Doug Walters and Rod Marsh, I guess, the romantic notion of uh, for a lot of people of being able to play the game and then it stumps you go and uh, have a couple of beers and have a chat to the, the opposing team as well, you know, they were in the other team's dressing room and they'd have a bit of a yarn and whatever had happened on the field had, you know, sort of stayed on the field. And Doug's, uh, I mentioned Doug, you know, bringing up the, the 100 in the session at the Wacker when he put Bob Willis into the crowd. That was just a, for me, I was only 10 years old at the time, but it sort of sticks very vividly in, in my mind. So, um, yeah, they, they were sort of a couple of the, the main ones, I think, you know, in the writing of the book, you obviously uh, get to, to relive so many great moments. You know, Shane Warne, Patrick, of course, that he took in Melbourne and, and that catch by David Boone. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just incredible to be able to go back and look at all those moments. And in, in the process, to be able to pay tribute, I guess, to these guys and, and, the, and the girls, the women as well, just the great moments that they've had. So just to be able to, as I said, for me, it's a... It's an honour to talk to these people and, and retell their stories and uh, and to see it all there in in print and those in those beautiful photos. It's just uh, made it's been a, it's been a privilege to do it. I must say. Yeah, and um, plenty of excitement because we've got men's and women's Ashes series coming up um, this summer. Uh, what, what are you most looking forward to? I, I think one of the things I particularly like around the the women's Ashes is the multi format. And just the intrigue uh, that can can be built around a series there, where they're playing playing a test match, they're playing some T20s, they're playing playing some one day internationals, and and how they all contribute to 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 winning winning the prize. Uh, and anything in particular you're looking forward to this summer, mate? I, I must agree. I think that women's format is fantastic, and I think as you said, Elise Perry with that double century at North Sydney Oval a few years ago. I mean, Elise's story is just one of the great Australian sporting stories to represent her country in soccer and cricket and just to be, uh, I mean, she's just world-class in uh, in batting and bowling and she's just been such a great role model for for boys and girls coming through in cricket in Australia. So I, I do love that format and I think that's something to certainly to look forward to in the women's game to see uh, to see Australia. Look, there's a lot of debate about whether there should be more women's test matches mm. and I think... Uh, it's an interesting one. I spoke to Christina Matthews in the writing of the book, and of course she's over there at the running the Wacker and was a great Australian cricketer. She holds the record for the most test matches for, for women, so for Australia. So she had a bit of an interesting take on it. I guess it's a lot about the you know the, the publicity and how much, um, I guess it's, it's unique in the way that there's only one test match in these series that they play, so it holds such great weight and such importance, and Look, there's no doubt that the way the women's game has, has come along in leaps and bounds that the test matches would be amazing. If we could play, I think, three against England would be something pretty special. But certainly look forward to seeing the women's ashes. But, yeah, in terms of the, the men's, I think just the fact that the, the last series, you know, having watched the, the documentary, the test, that um, we all sort of were so compelled yeah. to see by the Australian team, that was, just, that was brilliant viewing. So the way that series played out... and as much as it was great to to have the Ashes won, I think a lot of the players would say they'd really love to, to win a series and to do it at home rather than have that drawn 
series that we had over there. I mean, that was an epic series as well with uh, with Ben Stokes' innings and, um, you know, poor old Nathan Lyon um, yeah. missing that run out in the game. And But again, that is the ebbs and flows and what makes Test cricket so unique that you can get to that last day. And even a draw can be, you know, amazing to, to watch and amazing to play in. So... I think for me, just looking forward to the, the Aussies having that chance of uh, winning the series at home rather than, uh, as I said, they were happy to, to get the Ashes in England. But the fact the series ended up drawn, I think, uh, is something they'd like to uh, to make up for on home soil. Yeah, and, and do you think, um, I was just thinking there around around the summer coming up, how um, Glenn McGrath used to be good for a, a bold prediction at the start of the series uh, do, do, do you reckon there'll be any bold predictions from any of the Aussie players coming into this one? <laughs> well, mate, I think Glenn McGrath played in uh, such an outstanding team, he could afford to make bold predictions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we several five. Well, we mentioned A5 in England, and of course that stuck in the, the throat so badly of all those Australian players that they came back to Australia in 06, 07, and it was only 18 months I had to wait to get England on home soil to get that shot at revenge and we all know uh, they absolutely took England apart in 06 and 07 so I think Kidgen could uh, he had the he had the uh, the power there to uh, to make those bold predictions I'm not sure from uh, knowing that the you know the Aussie guys now whether there'll be too much being said they uh, I think the, the modern day sportsman tends to like to play it down a bit don't give the opposition any ammunition but they certainly have to be confident I think on the back of what what they did in England in the last series, but also just, uh, you know, watching England capitulate to India. I mean, that that was just an amazing test match that's just been played at Lords. And yeah. to, see, um, to see their their negative tactics, I guess, by Joe Root in the field, firstly, and then the fact that they'd be rolled for 120. I mean, we all know from last summer how good the Indian bowling is and how good they are as a team. But I don't think anybody thought that England would be rolled over for 120 on the the last day at Lords. So, you know, there's a lot of work for England to do before they get out to Australia. And obviously, um, you know, depending on who makes the trip, I know Ben Stokes is not playing uh, test cricket at the moment, obviously, with the COVID situation. And it's, uh, it's making it tough for a lot of people and not wanting to be away from their families for a long amount of time. So I guess it'll be interesting to see who comes out here for England to play. But um, the series will be, you know, as compelling as it always is. And, Certainly, the way uh, you know the way things are going, I guess in Australia at the moment with with COVID, it's, uh, hopefully it can all go ahead as planned, and we can have crowds there, and it'll just uh, it'll give everybody a lift. I think we just need uh, need something to look forward to, and the Ashes is one of those things that you know when it rolls around, it's just uh, it just lifts the spirits, and uh, I think we'll be pretty confident that Australia can uh, can win the Ashes. But yeah, I don't know that we'll get any uh, any predictions from the players. They'll. Uh, <laughs> Play it low key as they as they like to do. Yeah, and um, isn't Test cricket in a good shape at the moment? Just in recent times, that Test match you mentioned, uh, England and India going down to the wire, and West Indies v Pakistan, uh, a, a nail biting finish as well. So I, I really feel like, and prior to that, the World Test Championship um, with New Zealand and India as well. I, I really feel like Test cricket is getting a bit of momentum back at the moment. Would you agree with that? I would, Matt. Yeah, definitely. It's it's still the pinnacle. It's it's the pinnacle for the players. You know, the money is in the shorter form of the game, and that's great. I mean, nobody begrudges uh, the opportunity that for these players with the IPL, uh, the big bash has been brilliant in Australia. It's one of the highlights of the summer. So, 
no uh, no denying players the chance to be part of all of that, but I think any of them would tell you that the baggy green remains the, the pinnacle. And as you said, those some of those recent test matches, the, the West Indies game was an absolute cracker. And anything that India are involved in test-wise is just, you have to watch it. I mean, they are just such a, a great side to watch. Holy, uh, I can imagine what a what a great captain he would be to play for in the in the writing of the book. You know, we uh, you pay tribute to some of the captains. I always thought Ian Chappell is a guy that you would just love to have played cricket under. I mean, all of those guys that were part of his team. You know, we mentioned Doug Walters, his brother Greg, Dennis Lilly, Jeff Thompson. You know, Max Walker. All these guys. Uh, you know, they always spoke about what a how good it was to play under Ian Chappell's leadership and that aggressive nature that he took into the game. And, you, you know, I think uh, I think Ian, Ian's team in the, in the mid-70s there and then Greg Chappell's captain as well. I mean, it was just a, such a great time for Australian cricket. So that, that aggressive nature and, yeah, I mean, the test, the test cricket, as I said, with Coley, the way he's leading India, um, it is having a resurgence. Uh, I suppose South Africa was one of the places that seemed to drop away a little bit you always maybe you look at the crowds and sort of think well where where are the people and some of those mm. not so much now with, with COVID obviously but talking about sort of three four five years ago I guess as the the crowds seem to dwindle at some test cricket but as a spectacle and as you know what the players want to be part of it's definitely still the the absolute highlight of their careers and certainly for the the cricket purists amongst us um you know still love watching the test cricket and it's very strong at the moment yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, um, back to the book. Where can where can people get a copy? What what's the best way for someone to get their hands on one of these? We've got Father's Day coming up. I know myself as a dad, that's the kind of thing I'd I'd have on my shopping list for Father's Day. What what what's your advice to someone who wants to get a copy of the book? Uh, yeah, look, I think at the moment the best uh, the best place is certainly cricket.com.au. It's uh, front and center on the on the shop there. So yeah, certainly a great, uh, a great Father's Day gift with that coming up and um, cricket.com.au is definitely the best way to go. It's, it's in, uh, as all the authors say, in every good bookstore. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately, at the moment, you're never quite sure who can go to a bookstore or uh, yeah. which one's open, but uh, certainly Target and Big W have also taken uh, a heap of copies and they're available, uh, I guess, through their online shopping, even if you can't go into the stores, depending on where you are. But cricket.com.au, the the support from Cricket Australia on this book has been amazing on the whole project. So they're um, they're selling it, obviously, through their website. I would say that's the best best place to go and have a look for one. Yeah, and I'd strongly recommend it. I've got a copy of it here. Um, Ashes fans, cricket fans, uh, this is one you need in your collection. And uh, one... We're strongly recommending at the Cricket Library for what that's worth. And before we go, Martin, this is our hardest-hitting question, uh, and I've I've narrowed this down to an Ashes theme. Normally we ask our guests which three people they'd most like to have a hit in the nets with. Yeah. But I'm going to say we need to have Ashes cricketers here. So who are your three? You get to go down to the nets with them, hang out with them. And it sounds like as a kid, you had some pretty good nets with, with, with some of the icons of the game uh, when you're in primary school there. If you were to do it today, who, who are the three that you're inviting down? Mate, I'm definitely going with Ian Healy. Uh, he's, he's been a, a really good, as I said, we were lucky enough to tour England together in 99 to, to see us win the World Cup. And 
just the way that he and uh, he and Mark Taylor were both on that tour, and they were so giving of their time with their, all the people on the trip. And we were lucky enough to share a few uh, late night uh, beers and tell some stories. And uh, nobody ever wanted to go to bed once <laughs> once they were uh, telling their yarns. Those those great hotels in England, where if you're staying at the hotel, they don't close the bar. They uh, they let you stay up and have a chat, and um, just some wonderful memories for for the people who were on that tour and for myself. So. I'm taking heels first up. He's a, he's a great man. So uh, now, just just on heels, can you yeah. can you give our listeners a bit of an insight to what a a world class wicket keeper's hands look like at the end of their career? <laughs> well, if Ian Healy's any uh, yes, anything to go by, I think. Uh, well, I'm not sure how many times he broke his fingers, but if you have a look at them, he, he reminds me. There's another guy, uh, Brian Fletcher, who's an ex rugby league player, who I'm sure sure people see on TV a fair bit. If you look at his little finger, it kind of points out sideways. Um, so <laughs> I think Ian's got a couple that look like that. When you think about uh, standing there and taking the, uh, you know, the, the red rocket coming down from some of the blokes that Ian Healy would have uh, would have had to teach to and just hours and hours, I guess, their knees and the back as well as the hands. Yeah. But, uh, mate, yes, Ian, Ian paid, a, I guess, a pretty heavy price for his craft, but uh, I'm sure he wouldn't give a moment of it back. He was just one of those great characters, I think, when he came into that scene. We mentioned Alan Border's tour in 89, and that sort of launched a bunch of guys like Heels, and then they just kicked on and had that incredible success, and it was just such a, a special team for them to be part of and for us to watch. So, he's uh, mate, no, he's definitely coming to the net with us. Um, I mentioned Dougie Walters a couple of times now. Doug, um, at this stage of his life, might just sit there and, and watch the rest of us in the net. <laughs> I reckon he might crack a cold one while he was uh, while he was watching us. But I'd still love to have him there. He, uh, I mentioned that cricket camp I was lucky enough to go to when I was in year six, and Doug came along to one of the day sessions we had and picked up a bat, and he just uh, stood there in the middle of the the cricket field down there at Cranbrook in the in Sydney's eastern suburbs and said, anybody who can get me out, I'll, I'll shout you a milkshake. So uh, next thing, there was about 100 <laughs> 12-year-old kids uh, all lined up. We all had a crack trying to get Dougie out. So, uh, mate, it was just, you know, as you can imagine, for a bunch of kids of that age to have uh, players like that come down and share time with us and tell some stories. And also, they, uh, they were videoing us uh, batting and bowling and then these guys would come in and help us uh, have a look at our technique and it was just something that you, you couldn't uh, you know you couldn't put a price on how special that was so that sounds so Doug... far ahead of its time <laughs> well I think my dad always used to joke that uh, Kerry Packer's son James of course went to Cranbrook and he reckons James might have just gone to Kerry and said I need something to do in the summer so Kerry put on <laughs> <laughs> the greatest cricket camp ever uh so when you, when you put your names down to try out, I went to Riverview College to, to try out. There was just thousands, as you can imagine, thousands and thousands of kids wanted to try out. And I don't know how on earth they decided uh, who got to go, but there was about 100 of us. And as I said, we spent the whole week living in at Cranbrook and you know keep, keeping a diary every day of what we did. And it was just a cavalcade of these World Series cricketers coming in and talking to us and giving us coaching. And, yeah, I think the, the videoing of it did feel like it was a bit of ahead of its time. So we'd be down at the nets there and they'd, they'd film us and then at night we could go through it with, with either the World Series guys or these English county cricketers who were out here playing for the summer. So, you know, just a, a wonderful opportunity and something that, uh, you know, Kerry Packer, I think, was the sort of guy that 
you know, he saw an opportunity there to, um, I mean, obviously it was good for him promoting World Series cricket and, and getting those cricketers out into the, you know, into the public eye and, and helping us. But it was just a, an amazing opportunity to be part of that. So, um, yeah, Dougie Walters has just been, I think, a, a hero to me. It's right around that age where I started watching cricket, I guess, in the 70s and watching him play. And he just had such a, a great attitude to the game. And they were such a, a good bunch of mates, I think, in that team. It always looks like a team that you would love to have been part of with the Chapels and, and Lily and Thompson and Walters and the names just go on and on. So, yeah. um, in Dougie. So we've got Dougie and Heels at the moment. And yeah. uh, for number three, I'm going to go Terry O'Keefe. Um, oh, the yes. Man I, I, I'm with, uh, when, when I worked at Inside Edge, Terry wrote for us. Um, very early in, in his days then in sort of uh, writing and media, and he just had a he, – he was a great writer, but also just a great storyteller. And we all know, we've all heard him on the radio and um, the famous laugh and plenty of good stories to tell. And um, – Terry is just a, a fantastic bloke and we were lucky to, yeah, as I said, share a, a fair bit of time together when he worked for Inside Edge and um, I reckon he would be a lot of fun, tumble down a few of his uh, spinners and, you know, see if he could get us out, see if, uh, see if he could get Dougie Walters out and Heels could get behind the stumps and uh, practice the art with Terry Bowling. So, uh, mate, that's my three. But, yeah, the beauty of uh, the beauty of Ashes cricket or any cricket or any sport is... Uh, we could we could rattle off uh, 20, 30, 40. <laughs> we <laughs> but, could, uh, we, we'll go with that three. Oh, one of the things I love about Kerry O'Keefe, just he's a personal hero of mine. Um, just his deep knowledge and understanding of the game, mixed with his incredibly witty sense of humor and his ability his ability to go from being the expert comments guy to the funny guy and then back to the expert comments um just yeah he's just he's just great to have on on the television sets again and uh a a wonderful lover of the game he just he just deeply loves the game and and that just shines through in everything he does yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're right. He, his knowledge of the game is extraordinary, and he's uh, he's got a very unique way of looking at it. And I think all those years on ABC Radio, when you, you think of all the times you were driving in your car or down at the beach, or you weren't able to be sitting in front of the, the TV, and you would just have the ABC on, and that's all of those guys that work on ABC Cricket over the years, just with their knowledge and um, the way they could bring the game to life. I mean, I think that's so many people talk about listening to those games of cricket from England over the years. I think Ian Healy and Greg Chappell both mentioned in the book about guys like John Arlott. Um, mm. And we mentioned out Gilbray back in the day. And just to be able to bring the game of cricket to life from all the way around the world. And Greg Chappell said an amazing thing in there that he, um, he imagined what all these grounds were sort of like as he listened and what he thought Lords would be like and what he thought Manchester would be like. And then when he got to go over there and play years later, he said it was incredible how clear those memories were of what he thought Lords would be like and what it, what it mm. sounded like and what he felt like it would be. And then he got to be there and obviously be one of Australia's greatest captains. Um, but just that, you know, sort of starting off listening to it and, and dreaming of it. And then, of course, he got to go and, uh, to go and live it. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my favourite radio calls was an Ashes moment with Kerry O'Keefe calling the, the, the Stephen War 100 um, at the SCG 
uh, facing Richard Dawson there. The the Kerry O'Keefe call of that, I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing, and um, it, it's just a, a really powerful medium uh, radio commentary. And it sounds like that for Greg Chapel that he he almost um, it's almost like he'd already been there before he was there. Incredible, and I think his other great story. And we've all done this, you know, your, your backyard backyard cricket with your brothers and sisters and mates and. He was talking about how, you know, you can imagine the fierce battles he had with Ian, particularly they uh, <laughs> backward set, which they said they inherited from, uh, you know, Vic Richardson, of course, their, uh, their grandfather, who was a, a very famous Australian cricketer back in the body line days. So there was a fair bit of uh, cricket in the genes there. But Greg said he loved their games of cricket in the backyard, but he always had to be England and Ian got to be Australia. So <laughs> <laughs> he, he wasn't very impressed with that, but... Uh, as you can imagine, they would have been some pretty fierce, fierce games uh, between the Chapel brothers in the backyard. Oh, that's absolutely incredible. Well, thank you so much for your time, Martin. It's It's been a pleasure just reminiscing some Ash's memories, uh, a, a wonderful book that you've put together and, uh, yeah, really enjoyed our time chatting Ash's cricket. No, great to talk, Matt. I've really enjoyed it. The book was, uh, as I said, a privilege to talk to some of those guys and pull it all together and I hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. No doubt will be a very popular title this summer for all the cricket fans out there. Thanks so much for joining us, Martin Lenahan. A massive thanks to Martin Lenahan for joining us on this edition of the Cricket Library podcast. Always good when we get an author on and an Ashes book. I've got it sitting here right in front of me. It is an absolute ripper. And if you want to get your hands on one, head to cricket.com.au and you'll see what we're talking about. Magnificent images uh, put together beautifully and well worth getting your hands on. Maybe Dad might want one for Father's Day. Maybe if you miss Father's Day, you might be able to get Christmas. But Uh, A must-have for your cricket library, that's for sure. And plenty of great things coming up on the Cricket Library podcast. Our next episode after this one, we'll be hearing from Molly Strano. And after that, we have in the wings, yet to be recorded, but in the wings, a former Australian captain and one of the best batsman we have ever seen so looking forward to getting that one onto the podcast feeds it's a little while away it'll be early september so keep your ears peeled for that make sure you subscribe to the podcast leave us a rating and review and tell your friends word of mouth is as good as anything and we'd love you to tell your friends if you are enjoying the cricket library podcast looking forward to catching up with you again next time. This has been Matt Ellis for the Cricket Library Podcast. Bye for now.